A very warm welcome to those who are joining or listening online. So great to have you with us. Such a privilege wherever you are in the world. We're so excited you can join. If the messages have blessed you in any way, write and let us know. We would love to hear from you. Church, can we say a big hello to those who are listening to the message wherever they are? You know, it was so cool. My parents, 60 years, and uh, my dad's got an injured nose. That's not because mum's hit him. Uh, just, uh, just being clear. But, but you know, I want to honour you guys. 60 years. You've, uh, I, I know you've had to walk through some stuff. I mean, you had us as kids for a start. But I just want to honour them one more time. Can we just uh, give it up for them? 60, 60 years. That was on Waitangi Day on Tuesday night. Anita and I flew up to Auckland to be a part of a meeting called Open uh, Heaven. I think we've got a picture uh, there. 10,000 Christians from around Auckland filled the Spark Arena, not for a conference, not, for, not, not to hear some speaker. All we were there to do was worship, pray, pray, worship, pray. 10,000 people. I mean, it was packed out. There was just, come on. Yeah, I think that's worth hoping for. So it was just like an, an incredible. It was just a powerful uh, powerful time. And one of the reasons we were there is because we want to bring this to Wellington. We want to do Open Heaven Wellington. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- four of you are excited. Come on. I thought we want to do this in uh, uh, Wellington. And uh, I met with John Cameron last year, last year, late last year uh, from Arise Church. And um, we just had lunch together and we were talking about how can we bring this to Wellington. So part of that was going up there and just um, uh, uh, talking about and seeing how we can do it. So we're looking for 2020. Put it in your calendars now. We're going to be doing open, he- 21, 20, 21, we're going to be doing open heaven in Wellington, and they're going to be doing it in Auckland now. Desire is to see it happen in all the major cities right across uh, New Zealand. How many think that's a good idea that the church is playing? So cool, so cool. The next day, we uh, went out of a hotel trying to go back to the airport, and I ordered the Uber on the app, and the, it asked me a question that it's never asked me before. It's like, do you want, want the, uh, the, the driver to be quiet, or do you want him to talk? And I thought, I pushed, I don't care. So it was just like, you know, I was just, I, I'm not worried either, either way, because it selects the driver talkative, or the driver keeps quiet. Anyway, the driver pulls up outside our ho- hotel. I get in, and I, I see the name Abdul on his, on his card there in front. I said, Abdul? Salam alaikum. He said, ah, alaikum salam. And so uh, he's like, I thought you, you, you wanted a quiet driver. He's like, no, no, I don't want to be quiet. Let's, let's talk. He's like, what are you doing? We found out he was from Pakistan. <laughs> Come on. So there's a little Indian in the back. So, 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 so he said, what have you been doing? I, I said, we were at the Spark Arena. He said, what are you doing at the Spark Arena? I said, 10,000 Christians. He was thinking I was going to say it was for a rock concert or what's up there. I said, 10,000 Christians were praying, Abdul. 10,000 Christians were, were, were meeting together, lifting up the name of Jesus. And for the next 45 minutes, all the way to the airport, he asked me question after question after question about who Jesus is. Who is this God whom you worship? I mean, it certainly stirs up. And I want to tell you, you can feel the anointing. In the, uh, in the Uber. I, I, I just want to tell you, as we got to the airport, he broke down crying, got out on his knees. No, I'm just joking. That, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. I wish it did, but it didn't. But we shook, shook hands. But I want to tell you, again, his, his hunger and thirst to, 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 to hear what, what would cause 10,000 people to gather just to pray, not to receive anything, but to, to give of themselves in worship 
to God. It was incredible. And it's incredible when the church comes together. That's just, that's just churches from around Auckland. It's incredible what can happen when the churches come together. Do you know that church is the safest place to be? I just want to tell you, I've, I've, just, I've got these facts. I found them. They've been uh, for a few years ago. But here, here's why. Here's why. Do you know? Uh, it says this. Avoid. Here's some stats for you. Number one, avoid riding in automobiles because they are responsible for 20% of all fatal deaths. All right. That started off well. <laughs> Number two, do not stay at home because 17% of all accidents occur at home. Three, avoid walking on streets or sidewalks because 16% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. Number four, avoid traveling by air, rail, or water because 16% of all accidents involve these forms of transportation. Now, of all the remaining 33%, of all the remaining 33%, 32% of all deaths occur in hospitals. Above all else, avoid hospitals. Come on, somebody. Amen. <laughs> amen, amen. You'll be pleased to learn that only 0.001% of all deaths occur during worship service in church. And these are usually related to previous physical <laughs> disorders. Therefore, logic tells us that the safest place for you to be at any given time is at church. Bible study is safe too. The percentage of deaths during Bible study is even less. So for safety's sake, attend church and read your Bible. It could save your life. Come on, somebody. Woo, hallelujah. Last week, or last couple of weeks, we've been talking about different stuff. We've been talking about sin, the fact that we've all sinned. Yes, even you. Uh, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, we, we talked last week about repentance, which is our response to sin. And to repent, if you remember, is to turn from sin and turn towards God. To turn from sin and turn towards God. But here's the thing as a believer, I don't think any true or genuine follower of Christ or believer in Jesus sets out purposely to sin. It's a good place to say amen, I think, right? I don't think anyone purposely sets out to sin. No one wakes up in the morning and goes, how can I mess up my life today? We all desire to Please God. We all desire to do right. We all desire to, to live right. And that's good. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are people who are like that. He, he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst or go after righteousness. Because as they do that, they will be filled. So what an amazing, amazing promise. What an amazing promise. And, and, and it's true. I mean, when I think about my Christian life, all my Christian life, as I, as I guess yours too, if you're a follower of Jesus, all my Christian life, I've wanted nothing more than just to please God, live right, do right. Can I hear an amen? See some hands. I mean, it's just like, it's just like that's been my desire, as I'm sure it's your desire too. Yet, how do we do that? How do we do that? To be righteous, of course, means that, I mean, it means to be in right standing. If someone is righteous, what does that mean? It means to be someone who is in right standing with God. So how do we do that if, if we fall short? How do we do that if we have all of sin and fall short? How do we do that if we miss the mark, Pastor? How, how can we get in right standing 
with God because Jesus, even in that same passage, this is one big dialogue, even just a few verses later, Jesus goes on to say, For I say to you that unless your righteousness shall exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh Uh-oh. So I can desire it, but how can I attain it? Because it's saying clearly, unless my, unless yours. I mean, if I'm not going to make it, I'm the pastor. You're not going to make it. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's just, and, and you got a better point over there. Unless my or your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, I can't enter. You can't enter. And so who were the Pharisees? The, 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 the Pharisees were the religious elite of Jesus day. They were the ones who endeavored to keep the 613 mitzvahs or, or laws or the commandments that were laid out in the Torah, the first five books of the, of the Bible. When we were in Jerusalem uh, last year, everywhere you went, you came across Orthodox Jews devoted to their practices, trying to live out the laws as found in the Torah, trying to get every one of those 613 commands right. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have enough trouble remembering the Ten Commandments. Come on, somebody. I mean, how about just getting them in the right order would be, be good. But we know that Romans tells us there is none righteous, no not one. If you were here and said, no, me, no, sorry. No, not one. Isaiah the prophet tells us in Isaiah 64 verse 6, he says, all our righteousness is like a filthy rag. So if my righteousness doesn't cut it and I'm the pastor, yours surely doesn't. Come on, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm doomed. Come on, somebody. No, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Here's the good news. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. That's why he came. Jesus saves. He's, he's, he's our redeemer. Jesus saves. He saves who? He, sa- he saves the ones who have sinned. He saves the ones who have missed the mark. He saves the ones who fall short. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Jesus saves. That's the good news. See, Jesus went on to say in that same dialogue, he didn't just stop there. Jesus went on to say, it's not our righteousness we should be seeking, but his. And that same dialogue, he didn't finish. He didn't leave us there. He said, it's not our righteousness we should be seeking, but his. He went on to say, seek first the kingdom of God and his. Whose? His, not ours. His righteousness. And then I'll take care of everything else. I'll take care of all the other business. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. It's God's, His righteousness that I should seek, not mine. Not mine. So the next question is, if I'm to seek it, where is it found? And the answer simply is this, in the gospel. That's why it's good news. The word gospel means good news. That's why it's good news. Paul the Apostle says in Romans, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, everybody say power, 
there is truly power in the gospel. I mean, I could feel it. And, and, and that cab with uh, Abdul, I, I could feel just even as we began to speak about Christ in that moment, I, I, I could feel the anointing of God. And of course, Anita's in the back, praying, praying hard out as we, 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 we seek two worldviews that are clashing. And, uh, but we could feel the anointing of God in that place. There is power in the gospel. There truly is power at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. There is power in that name, it's not just, I mean, it's it's, it's shaped our whole society. There is power in it. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I I didn't even know, I was thinking, as our Uber was driving along, maybe it was glowing and people see kind of driving, but I don't don't know. (laughs) But I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Listen, to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, in what? In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so what's it saying here? It's saying that in this gospel, a righteousness of God and from God has been revealed. In other words, it's been made known. We can know it. We don't serve a God who is unknowable. We don't serve a God who is viral. We serve a God who we can know, who we can speak, and He will speak with us. About four of you are excited. Come on, if we're going to clap. We serve a God. This is the God whom we worship. This is the God whom we serve. We don't serve a God who, who we're trying to reach up. To we, we serve a God who has reached down to man and made a way where there seemed to be no way. So in this gospel, the race of God has been made known and it's available for you and me. And all I have to do is believe. All I have to do is believe. Now, when I say believe, I'm not talking about a mental ascent to a set of facts. Even the devil believes. It's not talking about that kind of belief. It's talking about a belief, heart knowledge transformation. It's talking about belief in your heart that I think Christ actually has done what He said He would do. I think there truly is when it says, the, He who sets me free is free, free indeed. He who the Son sets free, I think I'm actually free. It's a, it's a revelation that this is what Christ actually has done for me. So when I, when I talk about freedom, it's, just, it's not just theory. It's a reality in my life. It's a, it's a part of who I am. And it's available for me. And all I have to do is believe and receive it and walk in the truth of it. Amen. As we, 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 as we try and narrow it down, what is it that Christ has done? I mean, there's so many scriptures and so many. I mean, I could te- literally teach on this for, for, for weeks. I have done. But, but this scripture for me just captures it. It says this in Romans 5 verse 19, Paul Apostle preaching, he says this, For as by one man's disobedience, Adam, not me, our distant relative, book of Genesis, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That's our problem. That's what we're dealing with. As by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. And then it says this, So by the obedience of one, talking about Jesus, shall many, come on, Shall many be made forgiven? No, that's not what it says. Shall many be made what? What you sh- shall you be made? Come on, say it one more time. What sh- shall you be made? Come on, righteous. 
Not just forgiven, you'll be made righteous. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of Jesus Christ, what he did when he died on that cross, shall many be made righteous. See, when we're talking about sin and we're talking about repentance, understand this, all that does is make us aware of our need for a Savior. When we talk about sin, we go, man, I am a sinner. Man, I do fall short of the glory of God. And all it does when I, I, I repent and now blew it again and I repent and I blew it again. And all sin does, it makes us aware that I fall short. It makes me aware that I miss the mark. It makes me aware that I need a Savior. It makes me aware that I need you, God. That's what sin and our knowledge of it as we begin to understand it. And here's what Christ has done. And you know it, if you've been in this church for a while, you know this is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. I think everyone should learn this verse off by heart. Because it's so powerful, it just sums up everything Christ has done. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for you. Isn't that pretty cool? He has made him who knew no sin to be sin for you, that you might become forgiven. No. Loved. No. That you might become. Become what? Become the righteousness of God in Christ. Outside of him, we're we're far away. Outside of him, we're lost. But in Christ, we are the righteousness of God in him. Listen to me, uh, people, you, if you've been here in this church, you would have heard me over the 20 years. If you've been here, I, I, I preach on this. This is, this is so important because this was one thing that I never understood as a new Christian. No one ever told me about this. No one ever told me. People told me that, that, that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. This we know, for the Bible tells you so. People would tell me, Jesus loves you. They would tell me, Jesus forgives you. And I was like, man, I, I, I'm forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, but I'm still a scumbag. Oh, I'm just, oh, I can't make it. And oh, man, I keep mucking up. And oh, I keep messing, uh, messing up. I'm just, oh, man, I'm just, uh, Jesus loves me. But Jesus loves me. Thank you, Lord. And I'm sorry. And I messed up again. I, you know what I did last summer and last night. Come on, somebody. But I still felt like a scumbag. I mean, what a day, what a revelation for me where where I understood I wasn't just loved, where I wasn't just forgiven, but I was made not because of anything I have done, but I was made the righteousness of God. I, I could stand in right standing with God, not because of anything I have done, but because of what Christ has done. He's made it available to me. It's an amazing Amazing day when I realized that I was not just an old sinner saved by grace, but I'm the righteousness of God and Christ. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Because the thing is, and we can avoid talking about it because it can sound so arrogant. Who are you? We're, we're, we're the righteous. Who do you think you are? I'll tell you who I am. This is the thing you've got to know who you are in Jesus. Come on, somebody. I, I'm righteous, but, but, but here's the thing. My boast is not that 
I'm righteous because I've done something that I've somehow earned at my boast. I can't boast in anything. My Bible tells me I fall short. I, I miss the mark all the time. I can boast not in my righteousness. This righteousness, this right standing before God is nothing. I've done nothing to earn it. I can't buy it. It's about everything that He has done. And so I'm standing here today in a righteousness that does not belong to me, but is given to me, credited to my account by a God who loves me, by a God who forgave me, by a God who is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Who can be against me? Against me. Yeah, it can sound arrogant because it sounds like, oh, who do you think you're holier than thou? I've got no holiness of my own. My right standing with God has nothing to do with me. A divine exchange has taken place. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He has made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. On that cross, He took our sin. He took our guilt. He took our shame. He took your sin. He took your guilt. And He took your shame. Nothing but the cross. We count it all but loss. That we might become not just forgiven, not just love. That we might become not just a forgiven sinner, but the righteousness of God in Him. Oh man, you've got to get this. You've got to understand this. Too many are walking with their heads down. Too many is like, yeah, I know God loves me. I know God, but I'm just, I'm just a stinking sinner. I'm just a, I'm just a, oh man. I mucked up yesterday. I'll probably muck up again tomorrow. I don't know how long I can keep doing it. It wears me down trying to be good. Paul said this, for they, Israel, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, listen, for everyone who believes. And I want to tell you, this was me. This was a picture of me for, for, for years I was ignorant of God's righteousness. I was ignorant of what Christ had actually accomplished on the cross for me. I was ignorant of that which was available for me. And, and I live my life all the time trying to establish my own goodness before God. I, and my life was all about establishing my own righteousness, my own goodness. Because if I... If I blew it, if I mucked up, I'd, I'd, I'd pray more. I'd read the Bible more. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just need to fast more. I need to do this more. And why did I do that? I, I did it because I felt guilty, right? I felt guilty when you muck up. I mean, I know none of you guys have mucked up, but in the other services, they surely have. I mean, this is just going to help, help them out. But you know what I'm saying in the other services too. I mean... But when we muck up, when we, we mess up, when we make a mistake, what happens? We feel guilty, right? We feel guilty. And if, 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 if to be righteous is to be in right standing with God, how can we be in right standing when I feel guilty? And so I want to remove that guilt. How do I do that? How do I do it? So, so, so people say, you need to pray more and you need to do this more and you need to do that more. And so I try and do that and live that, uh, live that out so I could feel better, so I could somehow remove this, this guilt, so I could somehow remove this, this shame. Because I want to be in right standing with God. So I try to establish or get back to that, 
that sense or that, 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 that feeling by, by doing stuff. Instead of accepting what Christ had already done and made available to me and to everyone who believes. And the thing is, as I did that, people, people would cheer you on in that because it kind of made me look better or feel, feel better. Look, Adam's really pressing into God. He's really seeking God. And it's kind of pious and it's kind of, kind of holy as you, 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 you try and, or looks holy as you try and establish your own righteousness, your own goodness. But what are we really saying? What are we really saying to Jesus? We're saying, you know, Jesus, thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you. It was like awesome and that. But I just, let, I just need to add my little bit. It was good and all, but it wasn't quite enough. I just need to add my little bit. I just need to add my little bit to that work that you've done. I want to tell you, when Jesus said on that cross, it is finished, I want to tell you, it was finished. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, when Jesus said it is finished, there is nothing to add. There's nothing more that we can do. There is nothing more that we can add to the already perfect sacrifice that He has made available. And so really, what can appear to be pious and holy really is just saying to Jesus, what you did was not enough. I have to add to it. And Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. There is nothing to add. We need to accept the provision that Christ has made. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone. Everybody say everyone. That includes you. For everyone who believes. The question just is, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that this is what Christ has done? I know the answer is yes. And if it is yes, we, we need to receive His righteousness today. That we would find rest for our souls. That we would cease striving to establish our own goodness. Because we know that He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. For you, that you might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now, understand, I, I'm I'm not saying prayers are not good. I'm not saying fasting's no good. I'm not saying reading your Bible's not good. You know that because I, I, I previously and weeks before I've said no. We got to get those habits there. All of those things are good. What I'm what I am saying is is that none of those things are good for attaining righteousness. None of those things are good for attaining righteousness. If we're out there trying to earn brownie points from God, Lord, see how, look, look how much I'm reading my Bible. Look at me, look at me, look at me. See what I'm doing? See how many old ladies I'm helping across the street? How I see how, how, how good my service is? See, if we're trying to establish that, listen, none of those things. We serve God not so He will love us. We serve Him because He loved us. Come on. It's out of that love. It's out of that. that I just want to serve you because you're so amazing. So God, you, you gave everything for me, so I want to give everything for you. Yeah. It's out of that. That's why we do those things. Not so God will love us. 
People sometimes in communion, I've, over the years, and not so much now as I've taught on this over the years, but I, I would watch during communion times, and I see people just stay seated in their seats. They wouldn't come, come out. And I'm like, why? Afterwards, why, why didn't you want to come out for communion? They're like, oh, man, I'm not, you know, I'm not good. Nearly didn't come to church today because I'm not feeling, you know. And it's like, what, what you're saying is I need to sort myself out before. I need to get myself righteous before I get in the uh, thing. I know I can't take communion because, man, man, I'm just, oh, man, I've just got, I'm so messed up. Friend, I want to tell you, oh, I just want to work through myself and get, get this stuff sorted. Listen, I want to tell you, even on our best day, we fall short. Listen, our, our, even on our goodest day, when we're our goodest, 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 we still fall short. Our righteousness, if we're sitting there going, man, I am just so past and so good. I haven't done anything wrong this week. Can I, can I just tell you, you still fall short of the glory of God. Friend, I want to tell you. So when people come in and go, oh, I don't know if I'll take communion or whatever. Friends, you need that blood. You need that communion. You need what that represents, friends, because the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can cleanse us from us. It's the only thing that can heal us. It's the only thing that can, well, come on, only about five I want to tell you that if you, it's not to be avoided. And don't run away from God. Run to Him. Run to Him. We can't trust in our own goodness. Even on our best days, we miss the mark. We fall short. We fail the grade. We can't trust in our own goodness. We can't trust in our own righteousness. Because listen, if, if you think you, you have to earn, I heard Robert Norris say this just last night on a little Instagram, and I thought, man, that just is so good. He said this, if you, if you think that your goodness, your righteousness is earned, if you think you've got to earn it, here's the thing, you'll think other people have got to earn it. If you think you've got to earn it, Earn that right to commune with God. Earn that. If you think you've got to earn it, you're going to make everybody else earn it. And you're going to be scaling. So I'm better than him. I'm better than I'm better than I'm, I'm, woo, I'm way up. If you think you've got to earn it, you're going to think everybody else has to earn it. The story of the prodigal son. He comes back to his, to his house. The father embraces him. A ring, a robe, sandals on his feet. Kills the fatted calf. There is an older brother. He hears the sound. He hears the sound. Look, there's a party going on. And what's going on? He comes near the house. And they say, your brother has come home. The one who was lost, he's now found. He's come home. And he refuses to go into the, into the celebration. The father comes out and says, what, what's happening? Your brother has come home. And he said, I've been slaving away for you all these years. I've never given you any trouble. I've never given you, I've never, not like him. I'm not dishonored. And here I am. I've been serving on the sound team. I've been on the usher team. I've been working at this church for how long? And I've just been doing all this stuff. And you've never once, but you know, some sinner comes in and you just, well, you just hang around them and you applaud them. Listen, the minute you start thinking that you're earning something, you're going to think everybody else has to earn it. Come on, I'm preaching good right there. I mean, it's just like, if we get into that thing that somehow we've got to earn our own goodness, we'll be like the eldest son. He didn't join the celebration. 
Because he's like, look at all the things I've done. I've lived like this and I did this and I gave this much and I was one of your biggest givers. I was one of your this or that is. We don't do that to build brownie points. Come on. When we all come to a place and go, we all miss the mark. We all fall short. We all need Jesus. We all need Him. We're all on an equal playing field. We all short because no matter how good we are, you know, every Sunday I'll say something like this. It's not about how bad you are. It's about how good He is. But can I say this today? It's not about how good you are. It's about how good He is because your goodness and my goodness, oh my goodness, it ain't that good. We need Him. There's nothing we can do to earn it, buy it. He gave it to us for free. Now, Paul the Apostle made it so clear about if anyone thinks they're really good or really gifted or this or that, he said this, if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in their flesh and their own goodness, he said, I've got more. If you want to compare, you want to play that game? He's like, I've got more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. He was one of those guys. He was a Pharisee. 613 laws. I can do it. A Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider them lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things and considered them garbage. In another version, it calls it dung, poop. I consider it poop. Don't think of other words. I consider them garbage that I might know Christ, that I might gain Christ. And you know, when people read that scripture, that's where they stop. They just say, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power. I just want to know Him. But that's not where he stops. That's not where Paul finishes the best part. He goes on to say that I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God. From where? From where? Come on, help me out here. From God, not from you, not from your goodness. It comes from God on the basis of faith. That's what the Bible says. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Understand this. If the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin. In the Old Testament it covered. In the New Testament it cleansed. As it covers, it's still there. It's just covered. But the, the, the blood of animals and sacrifices, but in the New Testament were cleansed. And if the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin, if we're cleansed from every sin, what are we? We're clean. And if we're clean, what are we? Righteous. What are we? Come on, say it one more time. You've got to get that in your spirit. You're righteous. If the blood of Jesus, who, and, and who has done this? Have you done it? No, who has done it? Christ has done it. If you are cleansed from every sin, you are righteous. You have right standing before God. That's how powerful the blood of... Come on, let's give Jesus some praise in this place. Hallelujah. Listen, the blood of Christ has cleansed us from every sin. We are cleansed. We are righteous. We can't earn it. 
It's a free gift. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. How did this change me? How should it change you? Well, it changed me because I could understand my position in Him. When the Bible says a prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I used to go for 20 years. I was going, and maybe you're like that too. I'd go, I'm not righteous, man. I, I messed up yesterday. I messed up a couple of weeks ago. Had a fight with Anita just before I came to church. Didn't, didn't today, but, uh, but it can't happen. I mean, I'll just tell you, she, she's feisty. But the, the, I, I want to tell you, 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 you could go, oh, man, I just, oh, I just don't feel weird. But, uh, so, 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 so this is how we, 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 we do life. And so, oh, man, let's pray. Oh, I don't feel like praying because I'm not, yeah, I'm not. I'm not good enough. No, when I understood that it's not my righteousness that's after, that I can actually stand in His righteousness and know that the prayer of a righteous man availeth, availeth much, I can pray for Abdul, believing that Abdul will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, not based on who I am, but based on who He is and what He has done for me. That's how it changed me. I could stop walking with my head down. I, can, I, I understood who I am in Him. He became sin, not just so that I could be forgiven. Understand this. He became sin that we might become, become what? Righteous in Him. You're not just an old sinner saved by grace. My Bible tells me I'm a new creation, that, 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 that I am righteous in Him. Can I say it's so important that we understand this? Because this is our position for our mission. If you don't understand this, your position is going to be, oh, I don't know, I'm no good, and I'm just an old worm, and I'm just such a bad person, and I'm just, no, no, no. That is not your position. When the Bible talks about stand, this is where you stand. That he who knew no sin became sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God and Christ. This is the position for your mission. This is your launching pad. Because you've got to understand the devil's always going to come. And tell you, I know what you did, and you did this, and you did that, and you did it, and you should be, how can you stand up on that platform? How can you say, I mean, we've all got stuff going on, right? We've all got issues, and the devil's always going to come and go, nah, 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 nah. But when you can stay, no, 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 I want to tell you, devil, I understand that. When the devil says you're bad, you can, you can say, I'm bad, I'm bad, I know it. I know it. You don't, you don't have to tell me. I, I know it. But I want to tell you, my boast, my righteousness is not, not my righteousness. It, it, it's His righteousness. And today I'm standing, devil, not in my own righteousness, but I'm standing in the righteousness that was purchased for me at Calvary. And because of that, I can stand here today in that grace, in that knowledge. And the devil, you know what he'll do? He said, Let, let's go find some Christian who don't know no better. Because no matter what you say, you cannot take that away from me because I, I didn't earn it. It was given to me. And I just receive it. See, this is what the Bible says. When you understand this, you've got to understand you're like nothing. Colossians 2 verse 9, Paul says, For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Listen, and you are complete in Him. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete. Everybody say complete. You lack nothing. You are complete in Him. Outside of Him, we fall short. We miss the mark. But in Him, the righteousness of God. The Bible says in Colossians, your life has been hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3 verse 3. Remember this. When the priest took the sacrifice, now they finished. When the priest took the sacrifice, 
sorry, when, the, when, the, when the, the person took the sacrifice to the priest at the temple, the priest would never look at the person bringing the sacrifice. He would only look at the condition of the sacrifice itself. Is this a lamb without spot or blemish? How is the sacrifice? It's not looking at them because the person's bringing the sacrifice because they'd only look at the condition of the sacrifice. And if it was without spot or defect or without blemish, perfect, then they'd lay their hands on, the people would lay their hands and their sin would be transferred to the animal and then they would sacrifice the animal. That's how the temple worked. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. When Jesus gave His life for you, your life is now hidden. When God looks, He doesn't look at your mess. He looks at the sacrifice. He looks at that which was given. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice that takes away your sin, my sin, your guilt, my guilt, my shame, your shame. It takes it away once and for all. He has made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Like I said, it's never about how good we are. We're not that good. It's about how good He is. We all fall short. But He has made a way where there seemed to be no way. And today, no longer shall you keep your head down. Turn your eyes heavenward and thank God for a righteousness that you can boast in that has nothing to do with you and everything to do with Him. We were lost, but we're now found. We were blind, but now we see. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Can we stand? And can we just, for, for, for 20 seconds, 20 seconds. Oh, I hope you've got this today. Stand in that, understand where you are, that this is your position from your mission. You're not starting. You're starting from a place of victory. No matter what happens, you're starting from a place of it. This is the position that will launch you into your mission. What do you want to achieve this year? This is where you're standing. This is the ground. This is what will launch you. Being feeling, man, I can't make it. I can't. No, no. You, I know you can't make it. You, you feel weak. Well, He's your strength. He chooses the weak things of the world. He chose us. So your position for your mission is one of strength. But not your strength, His strength. You're standing on what He has accomplished. So you can fight your battles. And if God be for you, who can be against you? And so knowing who you are now in Jesus Christ, can we take 15 seconds and just give Him the loudest praise. Thank God for what He's done. Because I can stand in my righteousness today. I can worship Him today. I can Why not give your life to Him? 
say, Jesus, I need to know you today. This, 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 you can sense maybe even the same Holy Spirit. Why don't you say even just as you leave this, world, I need you today, Jesus. Would you come and live in my heart, live in my life? That's a, he's only a prayer away. Christ, come and change me. Come and do a work in my heart. I need what I sense in this room. I need your salvation because I fall short. Today I'll give my life to you. Why not pray that prayer? And you know the Bible says as we do that, as he knocks on the door, but how do he open it? When we open it, he'll come in and make his throne, his dwelling place, his house, his tent. His tabernacle in your heart and in your life. Give your life to Him.